All right, here we go. Welcome everybody. Thank you for joining me. The first introduction episode of Sports Cards Live. I'm gonna talk to you a little bit today about what my idea is here, who I am, my experience in the hobby, and uh, what I have planned for this, my vision, why it came about in the first place. I mean, we're all stuck at home right now. We're, we have our hobby, thankfully. I know I do, I, I've been doing everything I can to stay busy, going through my cards, organizing them, scanning the unscanned, inventorying in Excel, doing everything I can to keep myself active and consuming content, a lot of content on the various platforms, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, podcasts, all over the place. I've got inspirations, I'll tell you about them a little bit later. But let me just start, why this Facebook group, Sports Cards Live, and why this channel on YouTube? Well, I'll tell you the story. So. It was about a month ago and I want to sell some cards. I want to sell some vintage hockey cards graded. I thought to myself, well, I'll go do a live video in one of the groups where there's a captive audience. So I did, I talked to the admin. I said, hey, can I do this? And they said, yeah, no problem. And then I started getting some messages from them saying, hey, you can do that, but you can't show anything after 1989 because we're a vintage group. And I thought, that's fine. I'll abide by your rules. But when I was done, and I'll tell you, it was a successful live episode. I actually was on for about an hour and a half ended up doing eight or nine deals, brought in like a few thousand bucks, pretty successful. And afterwards I thought, you know, I'd like to show off more of my cards. I got modern. I'm a collector that collects, I collect 1888 to 2020, all sports. I love it all. I'm an addict, just like the rest of you guys. We're all, I think we all share that in common. So I couldn't do another one in that group. So I thought, well, where am I going to do a live video showing cards that I when there's so many different groups and they all have their themes and they all have their their fans and their their members and i thought you know what wouldn't it be cool just to create a group on facebook that would be just for live streaming whatever you want to stream about the hobby you have cards that you want in your in your pc that you want to show you just want to show them off and share them with the world maybe you have cards you want to sell and you just want to stream them to the captive audience and see if you get any deals done like i did and uh you know lots of reasons for it and um, so I talked to various people and came up with the idea and came up with the name Sports Cards Live. I thought was a great name because, you know, a lot of the guys out there that do the YouTube and the podcast and they're great. I got they're my favorite content that I that I get to consume. They put a lot of work into it, editing, layering, sound, all that. And I thought I just don't have time. I have two young kids. I have a full time job and I have a full time hobby, which is, you know, probably the, my favorite aspect of my life besides my kids. And um, so, you know, I thought going live would be a good way to just get content out there, engage with people and see what, what other people want to stream as well. So in the Facebook group, Sports Cards Live, I thought this is a group that anyone can stream live to. If you want to stream something, please do. Um, you're welcome to, you know, we've got guidelines, simple guidelines. I didn't come up with a, a big list of rules or anything, but really if you look at the document that's on the, on the group, posted as an announcement. It kind of outlines my vision and what I want to do here with, with the Facebook uh, with the Facebook group. As for the YouTube channel, same thing, just getting bigger audience and having more fun for myself, really. So I think that describes kind of why I did this now. And, um, you know, I, I'm an online guy. I love it. Um, and so this is just natural, natural for me. And after I did that one live on the, in the, um, in the vintage group, and I'd also participated in an Instagram virtual card show a few weeks ago 
that was organized by a gentleman named Justin um, at 610 Sports Cars on, on Instagram. And, you know, I was on there for a good hour, did a few deals through that and got some great feedback. I'm going to give it a shot. Why not? Uh, it's fun. I love it. I love the hobby. I love the friends I've made through the hobby. All my contacts. It's just been, it's been awesome. So happy to be here. And uh, so a little bit about myself and my history and how, what my experience is in the hobby. I'll try and get through this quick, but I'll start at the beginning. You know, I started buying packs in the early 80s, hockey card packs in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And, you know, back when they were 25 cents each, I'd take my $2 allowance, I'd go to the drugstore and I'd buy eight packs of cards. And over the time, I'd fill up my sets. And I collected right through as a kid, all the way through high school and even into university. And after university, in 1991, right at the, right in the time of the boom, I opened a card shop in Winnipeg with my parents called JJ Sports Cards. And we had, a, we had a, a decent run. We were around for about three years, but then I started going to university and I was entering into a career and it just wasn't gonna work anymore for me. So we closed that shop, but I stayed active in the hobby. I might say I did slow down a little bit in the late 90s, so I did miss a few key years, which I'm trying to catch up on now. And then in the early 2000s, I got hardcore again. Um, oh, I just wanna back up. When we opened up our card shop, my equity in the shop was that I, I had had two sets of every Opeachy hockey set from 79 to 89. So all the like the glory years really. So my contribution was I put one set of each into the shop to sell as a set, and I put all the commons from my second set into the shop so we could fill out common sets. And I kept one of each of the rookies for myself. And later on, I'll tell you, I'll skip ahead to 2008 at the National. I actually took those cards and I got them all graded. So I uh, started out collecting Hall of Fame rookie cards and ventured into all sports. Then uh, I started setting up shows in the mid 2000s, around 2005. I started doing the shows in Canada and I started doing the national as well. Had a great experience, a great run, um, still do them, I should say, um, and really got to know a lot of people, really started to build out my collection and my my contacts. And, you know, I can I can genuinely say some of my best friends I've met through the hobby and Super thankful for that. So um, yeah, it's it's been a great run. Um, in 2012, I was you know I was a member of several online uh, message boards, Hobby Insider, Beckett boards, and in 2012 I acquired Hobby Insider, the message board site, and still have it, still run it. It kind of takes care of itself for the most part, but um, through that I met a lot of people as well. Being at the shows, being I've been a vendor at Expo for a very long time. I, I haven't really missed an Expo in close to 20 years. I haven't missed a national in, well, I've missed two nationals in the last 12 years. So that's just a bit about my, my history. So anyway, what do I wanna do with this channel and this Facebook group? Well, really, I just wanna talk hobby. I wanna bring guests to the, to the screen that will be interesting. So I'm really happy to announce, which you probably already know by now if you're watching this, that on Saturday, I have Carvin Chung, formerly of Upper Deck, formerly of Panini, currently of GTS, will be joining me and we'll be diving into the, really the history of Exquisite in the Cup, two of the most iconic brands in the, in the hobby that he invented back when he was a product manager for Upper Deck. So we're gonna really dive into that with him and hear a bit about what he has to say. Have another announcement I'll talk about a little bit later, but, um, you know, when we're 
when we're consuming the content online and there's so much so much great content out there you know instagram has been a big one for me i've really enjoyed it. i've made many friends through there it's pretty crazy actually that you can just have a conversation with someone on an instagram chat and next thing you know you know you're you're calling them like you call your friends names you know, hey mike how's it going like i haven't seen you in a long time or I haven't seen you out here in a while like you just really can make some good friends and i'm super thankful for that um the facebook groups you know there's so many great facebook groups out there and the facebook group sports cards live isn't to compete with any other facebook group really i want to bring on to this show i want to bring on the administrate the admins from those groups the bigger ones and let them talk about the group promote the group have you joined their group if they're open you know um same thing with uh, other youtube other youtubers and guys that are doing other youtube shows in the hobby there's so many great ones and uh i've been enjoying them and they've been really big inspirations for me and I'll, I'll go i'll tell you a bit about some of those guys too just in case you're not familiar but um okay let's dive in so you know the the first one was the a podcast that i discovered uh called house of jordans and these guys it's uh it's a gentleman it's his girlfriend and his cousin and they have a they they do a weekly podcast and they dive into the really the, the data around Jordan cards, Michael Jordan cards, super interesting stuff. They're, they're pure hobbyists. They love the hobby and it just, it comes through. They're really engaging. I recommend you check them out. They also have a now a YouTube channel. Awesome stuff. Um, there's another guy who I recently discovered. He's, he's, he goes on, on YouTube by PSA collector. His name's Matt. And he, he produces some really good live action videos. He's quick and he, he doesn't waste any time. He gets right to the point. I really like his style. I recommend you check him out. He inspired me quite a bit for this. Um, and then there's Gary V. I mean, I think everyone's heard of Gary V by now. And, you know, the guy is, he's in this hobby. He loves this hobby. And I, what inspired me from him is that he's actually out there talking about the hobby and doing, uh, doing shows on YouTube and engaging with, with other hobbyists. And I met him at the National last year. I bought a card from him just, just for the hell of it. It was a, a basketball Hall of Fame rookie that I thought, you know, oh, I have the card. I wanted the card. And, um, you know, so anyway, he, he inspires me just because of his attitude to just do it. You know, he just, he's really encouraging. Um, and then there's a guy named Joshua Johnson who has a, uh, a YouTube show called Cardboard Chronicles. And this guy, you know, he's basketball centric. Well, basketball pretty much exclusively in his own PC. He has interviewed. So what his show is, is he interviews a different collector or hobbyist every week, just about every week, I'd say. And he he lets the guests carry the conversation he's really skilled at doing that and the uh the, the conversations are really interesting and it's just nice to see other collectors how they approach the hobby and uh, he does a great job at, at bringing that out and really understanding how people do approach it and what what really gets their juices flowing when it comes to this hobby that, that we all love for sure um and then there's another guy i who i happened to meet at the national last year as well um, his name is Adam. He goes uh, on Instagram by at the real 27 guy. And he does a, a basketball card podcast that I find really interesting. So what you're hearing right now is that there's a lot of basketball content out there. I haven't even looked at the baseball content because it, it interests me the least, but there's a ton of basketball content out there and not much hockey content. And I'm predominantly a hockey collector, but I do collect basketball as well. And so I thought, you know what, let's bring something out that will appeal to the hockey guys um as well as basketball guys because that's what i love and so so here we are um so i mentioned saturday night 
two days from now, I'm going to be hosting Cargan Chung. He is known as the architect because he architect he architected, if that's a word, uh, both Exquisite in 2003 and the Cup Hockey in 2005, their inaugural sets, and continued to do that as long as he was um, with uh, Upper Deck. He went on to work at Panini, where he redid the Dominion set for hockey and many other things I can't speak to. Um, and then he's since moved on to GTS. He's still at, the, at all the card shows. He's a he's a he's a hobbyist at heart too. So he'll be joining me here. We'll do split screens right down the, right down the middle there, and um, we'll, we're going to dive into sort of the motivation behind what what sparked him to create Exquisite when he needed when he needed a new brand at Upper Deck. How did he come up with Exquisite? And then later on, how did he come up with a cup and what went into that? So. I've got some questions lined up to ask him. If anyone out there has any questions you want me to ask, feel free to post them up in the group or in the comments here. I'm happy to uh, to work them in if I can. So I'd encourage you guys also in the Facebook group, come join the group if you haven't already. There's an announcement that I posted that kind of does show that uh, it's the document a document attached um, that does describe uh, what I see for this. But I do want to encourage you guys, like if you do want to stream yourselves, please do so in the sports card live Facebook group. And, um, you know, anything you want to talk about, you want me to come join you. I'm happy to do that. We can do it. You know, I'm using a, a third party multi-stream software right now called StreamYard, And, uh, it's awesome because it will allow me to bring in guests and put announcements on the screen. Like here, for example, I had a couple lined up ready to go. So let's see here. There we go. Saturday, April 18th, 10 p.m. Eastern, Carbon Chung, the inventor of Exquisite in the Cup, will be joining me live. So, you know, if you have a question, I'm happy to put it up on the screen to address it. I do, I should have said this at the beginning, everybody, but I do need you, if you want your, if you want me to be able to see your comments, because I'm not using Facebook or, or YouTube to do this, I, especially on Ute, on um, the Facebook group, I need you to go to streamyard.com slash Facebook. I'll put this up right now streamyard.com slash Facebook and click the big blue button. I have to do it. It's totally legit. There's no privacy issues there. It'll just allow StreamYard, which I'm using to see your comments that you post on Facebook while we're live and allow me then to respond to it. So I encourage you to do that. And once you do that, you don't have to do it again. I see some comments coming in. What do we have here? I'm thinking hockey is a much smaller market. Yeah, hockey is a much smaller market than basketball. Uh, hockey and football. I'd say it's maybe not that much smaller than football, but certainly a lot smaller than uh, basketball and much smaller than uh, football or sorry, baseball, definitely baseball. But, you know, where I am at and the circles that I that I travel in, especially when you think about the card shows up here, we in, I'm in Canada. I live in Calgary, Canada. We have we're on sort of in the West. We have a semi-annual card show that is in Toronto called the sports card expo and it is uh it's a big show it's not as big as the national i'd say you could fit two to four let's say three expos inside of the national but you know if you've been to the national you know it's a monster of a show and you know that that uh you know even to fit three shows inside there those would all be big shows that would take you a couple of days to get through so that show is very hockey centric. Um, there's more and more baseball, especially with the, with the, uh, the Blue Jays and all of their young prospects right now. And especially with the Raptors winning the championship last year, there's much more basketball there than, than, than there's ever been before. So 
Um, you know, I encourage you, if you're anywhere near Toronto during these shows, I encourage you to come check it out. It, it's a great show. It's my favorite two weekends of the year. Um, and uh, come check that out. Um, we also have a couple shows out west here. There's a big sports card show in Vancouver called the West Coast Sports Collectors Convention. And then there's one in Edmonton called the Summit. These are also great shows. They're not as big as the Expo or the National, but they're they're great shows for up here in, in Canada. I've never done the like the Chicago Times show or any other shows in the States besides the National. I the National is it's a it's a vacation. It has to be. Um, it's five days long. And um, I've enjoyed every single one I've been. I've you know, people that I've met through Facebook, I've then met in person at the uh, at the National, you know, met up and had a beer. My brother, my, my buddy Kevin, we met for the first time there and then he came to the expo last November and we hung out there and had a great time and got to know each other. That was that was great. So uh, speaking of expo, I have this is the sort of announcement that I wanted to make that's I think it's going to be cool and I haven't exactly uh, nailed down what this is going to look like, but the ideas are flowing. So Expo, Spring Expo this year was supposed to be uh, May 1st to 3rd, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, that's canceled, obviously, because of COVID-19 and the reason why we're all sitting in our, in our houses right now all the time. And there's been some chatter out there about how about doing a virtual card show. And there have been a couple already on Instagram that were done by this gentleman, Justin, who is a guy who I've seen at the National. I uh, didn't really know him, but I've seen at the National going on well, 12 years now. And he did a great job. Uh, the the say it's ideal, but it's something, it's better than nothing. So I'm coming up with something else to do where we want to do a virtual card show called the Sports Card Live Card Show. And I've even, uh, actually today, I spoke on the phone with a gentleman named Steve Menzies. Steve is the owner of the Expo in Toronto. So I called him today and I said, hey, listen, Steve, here's what I'm thinking. This is what I want to do. I don't want to. I don't want to leverage your brand. I don't want to, you know, step on your feet at all, step on your toes at all. I just want to do something for the hobby that we can all be engaged in and have some fun and even take up that time on May second, May second and third, which is the Saturday Sunday. And so he was all for it. He's got some announcements coming too, and he's actually going to join me here on Sports Cards Live. We're either going to do it Friday night, the uh, that would be May the first, or we'll do it the morning of the Saturday as we're starting the, the online show. And um, he's going to give some announcements and he's going to discuss a bit about also the expo and what his plans are for the actual traditional expo show and any other plans that he may have. So come check that out. Uh, that should be that should be really cool. Um, we're going to we're going to try and figure out a way to you know have tables or booths or what, however you want to do it here on a live video. The cool thing about this software that I'm using here to multi stream is that I can have guests appear and we can have, I can have up to five or six. I forget if it's five or six, but five or six guests. So, you know, you'll see one here, you'll see one here and then one here and we'll all, you know, we'll all be kind of lined up across the screen and we can, uh, we can interact and take questions and um, show cards. And uh, so I think there's a, there's something to be said for that. And I'm looking forward to doing that. So that was kind of the, the bigger announcement that I haven't spoken to uh, online yet that I'm excited to, to get into. So what else, you know, the future of this show and what I'm looking to do, um, a probably 30 guests in mind that I want to invite on here over the next however long, you know, I plan to do this for as long as I can. It's easier to do while we are socially isolating. It's easier to do because you can't go out. So I've got more time. 
Um, I don't know that I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I'm sure I'd love to. If the response is, is strong, that would be, that would be awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm going to do this for as long as I can. And I do have several notable guests that I'm, you know, pretty sure will be happy to join me on here and talk hobby and uh, talk about, you know, what, what they're, how, how they fit into the hobby, whether they own a card shop, whether they work at a card company, whether they're social media, celebrities, uh, collect other collectors. I really want to get into with some collectors and, and learn about your, your collection and what motivates you and what you love and what you're chasing. And, you know, let's, let's get that out there. I also want to get the Facebook group admins involved there. I'm a member of several groups and these are some great groups and they've got real passionate admins that run them. Let's get them on here. Let's get the, them talking about their groups and perhaps, you know, getting you to join as well. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at doing. Um, I've got, uh, I've got some ideas for little, you know, little segments in that, which I'll, I'll incorporate as time goes on. And, um, but that's really, that's what I'm thinking here, guys. Uh, really, really pretty excited to do this. Um, you know, I do, I can't stress enough. I love this hobby. I love cards. I love cards. Like when I look at a card that I get in the mail, I love mail days. I love, I love looking at the cards. I love shopping on ComC. I love shopping on eBay. When I get it, when a card comes, you know, I just get that, those butterflies. And, uh, you know, I collect, as I said earlier, I collect Hall of Famers from all four sports, from all eras. I collect several different sets. I collect Michael Jordan inserts. Um, and I just, there's nothing I love more than, uh, than, than these cards. It's, it's, a, it's a weird thing. Sometimes I wonder, why is it? Why is it that us collectors, what is it that we love about these cards so much? And I want to hear from you about what is it that you love about them? What gets, what gets you going? You know, for me, a lot of it is nostalgia. I, I can't, I can't stress enough. You know, I remember going with my allowance in the early eighties and buying those packs of wax packs and open up the wax packs and eating the gum. Like that was what I lived for. I couldn't wait to go get my packs. And now, you know, I still love the, the same cards. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And I know, I know I don't really have to explain it to you because so many of you uh, have the same sort of uh, passion for it and thirst and hunger for this hobby. So, you know, really, uh, really excited to, to see where this goes. Uh, get many of you on here talking with me and let's, let's introduce you to the hobby and let's, let's introduce your passion and what it is that you collect and what it is that you love and why it is you love these things. And we can, you know, we can talk, we can talk sports, we can talk anything. I mean, this is a great, uh, a great venue for that, a great format for that, and um, really excited for it. So that's really all I can think of saying right now, guys. Um, if, if any questions, or let me just see if there's been any comments that I can respond to. Sorry, I've just kind of been rambling here. A lot of hey, Jeremy's, thanks, guys. I can't see who you are unless you, unless you clicked on the big blue button at streamyard.com slash Facebook. Let me put that up there again for you guys. Would totally appreciate if you would uh, if you would do that. So that's this right there, streamyard.com/slash/facebook, and click the big blue button. That way, I can see your name as well as your comments. So lots of oh, lots of hey, Jeremy's, I appreciate the guys. Hey, hey guys, <laughs> um, I can tell Adam Cormier's out there. Hey, Adam Irv, my man Irving from the from California. Great to see you. Thanks for tuning in, Irv. You're you're a legend yourself in this hobby. My buddy Ralph. Hey, Ralphie. Thanks for joining in, Kevin. Um, Aaron, thanks, Aaron. You're you're a stalwart online. Um, what, I see a question here. What do you PC in hockey? What do I PC in hockey? 
Great question. Thanks for asking. Thanks for engaging with me, guys. That's what this is about. So thank you for engaging. What do I PC in hockey? And nothing I like to talk more about than my own cards, right? We all love talking about the cards that we love and the cards that we chase. So what do I PC? I PC many different things. My the favorite part of my PC is my Hall of Fame rookie collection, all sports, all eras. Um, I've got almost everything that I need. I'm missing a few of the big hitters, the really early, the early stuff, but uh, I love Hall of Fame rookie cards. I also PC Dale Howardchuk, one of the most uh, sort of obscure Hall of Famers, but I've been collecting him from a long time uh, for a long time, and I, I continue to, but not as much. I've almost tapped out, but I will. I love the cards that I have. I collect several different sets throughout from throughout the years that I've just been working on things that I. You, know, you acquire a few cards from different sets for, just from buying collections or doing trades or being at shows and all of a sudden i've got five cards of 40 towards a set and i look at these five cards and think, oh these are cool beautiful patches or beautiful autographs i better i'm just going to do the whole set so that happened with me on a few things um there's a 2014-15 masterpieces hockey set called uh or that has a, an insert within it a parallel insert called the black framed leather memorabilia it's a 150 card set i've been working on it since then Still need about 30 cards. I PC those. I PC from Upper Deck Hockey the Cup. I PC the gold patch parallels that are out of eight or ten, depending on the year. I've got almost 300 of those. I, I really enjoy those cards. I PC inserts. I love shiny inserts. I'm I'm yes, I do a meet. Thank you for clicking the big blue button. I love shiny inserts. And really, that started for me just over a year ago. I've been in the hobby a long time and I only recently started getting into these inserts and it really spanned because of the, it really spawned from what happened in basketball and all of the, the 90s inserts that are chased there, the Jordans and the, the, just the excitement around it and the, the, the passion of those collectors. I mean, again, go check out some of these guys that I talked about earlier, the Cardboard Chronicles, the House of Jordans, uh, the, the PSA collector, his name is Matt on YouTube. Um, Adam, real 27 guy. I mean, these guys, they're passionate. These guys are more passionate than I am, to be honest, um, which I didn't think was possible because this has been my life. But, um, but uh, you know, it's uh, those inserts. I, I love I love the shiny, shiny inserts. And I'll do an episode one day where I'll show you parts of my collection if, if that'll hold your interest. I don't want to make this all about me. I want to I want to interact and get other people's content kind of shining through here. But happy to do that if, if, uh, if requested. Um, that, you know, that's where, uh, that's, that's what I PC, I would say. Uh, sorry about that. Do you see my, yes, I do. Amit. Hello, Amit. Amit's a good buddy of mine. Um, guys, it, to see your post, you got to go to streamyard.com slash Facebook, click that big blue button. That's all you need to, to do. Favorite underrated set. This is Kyle. I'm a, I'm assuming this is my buddy uh, Kyle Beaker, another guy who uh, who I, I met online, really on Instagram. And Kyle and I, we we looked at each other's pages all the time because we like the same stuff. It would never surprise me when I'd see a new post by him on Instagram, and I'd think, "Oh man, I was bidding on that card. You just beat me to it," you know. Or the same thing would happen. I'd post a card, and, and he'd say the same thing. You just beat me to it, man. Huh? You know, or or but but congratulations. You know, we're genuinely we're genuinely happy for each other when we're getting these uh, these cards, and it's just so much fun to to see what other people are picking up. Um, Instagram is a great a great place for that. So, 
Um, most underrated set to answer your question, Kyle, man, that's tough. And I don't know if I want to give, put all my cards on the table, but um, no, that, that's one that I wasn't ready for. Um, but, you know, for me, uh, my favorite, the card, my favorite cards are come out of the 2012 um, Upper Deck Hockey uh, Fleer Ultra Retro. And the reason why is because I love the 90s basketball and baseball inserts. There's so many, so many beautiful cards there. I prefer them to the hockey inserts of the 90s. And so many of the iconic inserts from those 90s basketball sets, hot shots, precious metal gems, intimidation, nation, um, golden touch, they were all redone in FLIR sets in the uh, 2000s. And what's interesting is that, you know, Upper Deck lost the license at some point in the 2000s. And so they don't do any basketball sets with licensed, um, licensed NBA licensed uh, pictures of the, of the players. No, no, no jerseys, just college. However, though, in hockey, they have the license. So they're now, they, they in the early 2010s, they went back and they did a bunch of, uh, they did some products where they incorporated the same designs that they had in basketball and incorporated them in the, um, in the hockey sets. And I really love what comes out of there. Is it underrated? I think it's underrated. You have, you know, the, a Gretzky from these sets you can get for $40. The Michael Jordan is $20,000. So is there room to grow? I think there might be room to grow. Who knows? I'd say that's underrated right now. And um, also hockey jambalayas, you know, you can get these things cheap. Um, as even the Crosbys, the Gretzkys, the Ovechkins, the Lemieux, the Patrick Waz, the Carey Price, you can get these pretty cheap as far as hockey goes. So I, I really do love those as well. What's Amit saying? You should mention you also have an Opeachy umbrella and original. <laughs> That's funny, Amit. Well, I, I don't actually have that Upper Deck Vintage Neon sign. I came this close, guys, this close about a year ago from acquiring an original, I'm talking like 1990 Upper Deck, you know, the, the diamond logo um, neon sign. And I actually had bought it from a good buddy of mine at the expo and this thing was super fragile. I didn't want to carry it on the airplane and it ended up breaking before he could ship it to me. So I didn't end up getting it. So I, I can't speak to that or I don't have that anymore with that. I would love to put one where like right there, right there would be pretty cool. I love, you know, just another thing about me. I love the history of the hobby. Not only do I love the cards, but I love the history of the hobby itself. So Amit mentions the, uh, the Opeachy umbrella. And that's true. I do have an Opeachy umbrella. So what does that mean? Well, I'll show it later, but the Opeachy umbrella is something that I bought from one of the, one of the most um, notable vintage collectors in the world, hockey vintage collectors, that is. And he had this umbrella from the original Opeachy factory in Hamilton, Ontario in the 1930s. And he was walking around Expo one day, twirling this thing over his shoulder. And I saw it and I said, oh, I need that. That's hobby history right there. So I love, I love stuff like that. I love consuming anything that is hobby related. What else? Uh, let's see, what's this? Can you use FaceTime or WhatsApp to join? This sounds like a fun idea. Glenn, no, you can't. Unfortunately, you can't. This is streaming. We're streaming live right now to the Facebook group, Sports Cards Live. We're also streaming live to the Facebook, to the YouTube channel. So that's where you need to, to, to take this in. You can, however, um, access it on your on your iPhone, no problem. What else? Let's see here. Here we go. My buddy Stefan, he runs one of the most one of the most popular groups on Facebook. Um, and uh, I encourage you, you know, Stefan, I want to have you on here one day. I want to hear about JPMs on, on Facebook and 
we'll get more members your way and uh, just in increase the engagement all around. I uh, can't wait to see your your show. You, you mentioned the other day to me that you're doing something similar, and I, I really look forward to uh, to seeing what you have up, up your up your sleeve there, Stefan. Stefan is a humongous uh, Gordie Howe collector, high end stuff. He sets up at the National in uh, in the States, wherever it happens to be. Saw him in Chicago last year. We had a we had a great time hanging out. So um, definitely check out Stefan when he runs when he opens up his new uh, YouTube channel. What's this question? Have I ever completed a year with the gold patch set from the cup yet? No, I haven't. Do I think I ever will? Not really. Do I care? Not really. I, I just, it, it's just the accumulation. It's just adding to the hoard and um, enjoying the, the, the cool patches on the various cards. And I do, I do look at my cards, you know, I pull them out and I look, I, I run through the boxes and I look at the cards and you know, my dream is to one day, my, my, my ultimate dream in this hobby is to have a house big enough where I can have one room one big room, and this is, I've, I've been talking about this for 20 years by now, probably, a big room. I wanna put a nice leather couch in the middle, and I wanna have the walls covered from floor to ceiling, ceiling to floor, covered in cards on shelves, tight and close together, so you can't even see the wall behind. And I just wanna be able to spin around and look at the cards. Well, you can't spin around on a leather couch, you'll have to make it a leather chair. But I, I want to do that. You know, we all we all have our cards, and some people use binders. Some people put them in boxes and put them in the closet, or you have some at the bank in the safety deposit box, or you have a safe wherever it is you keep your cards. You keep them just behind you, right there, wherever you keep your cards. How often do we look at them? And you know, I encourage everybody: look at your cards, enjoy your cards, enjoy the hobby, especially now while we're dealing with uh, the COVID nineteen. Which brings me to this question from a good buddy of mine, Kevin, a, a new buddy. You know, it's funny. I call Kevin a good buddy of mine. And I find that a little weird because I only met him once in person, no, twice, sorry, we've met twice. So we met for the first time at the National last August and Kevin bought me a beer. I remember having a beer at 10 a.m. with Kevin uh, at the National. We, we ended up meeting up and had a great chat. And Kevin was someone that I was interacting with online. Kevin collects the 1951-52 Parker set. He loves, he loves his 51 Parkies. Um, he collects baseball, vintage baseball as well, Hall of Famers. So we met, we had a nice time chatting, and then he came to the expo in Toronto uh, in November, and he hung out at my booth with me. He watched my booth for me. Thanks again for that, Kevin. Really appreciate it. And just, just a great guy. You know, there's so many good people in this hobby. Um, Jeremy, do you think with COVID-19 affecting the markets, do you think it's a buyer or a seller market? Honestly, you're not going to expect my answer to be what it is, but it is a seller's market right now from what I am seeing. Cards have not been affected from what I'm seeing, from the cards that I watch on eBay, and my eBay watch list is always at about 150 or 200 cards. That's how many cards I'm interested in, in, in following and seeing where they land. And actually something struck me yesterday. I noticed that a PSA 10, 1989 Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, okay? A card with a, a, a population, I'm not sure what it is, but it's well into the thousands. It could be over 10,000. I'm not exactly sure. But a PSA 10, this card had been selling consistently for the past 10 years for anywhere from three to four, $450. And all of a sudden one sold was the last night of the night before for $1,085. And the one before that, a few nights ago that I saw sold for like $850. So if you are watching cards that are of, you know, iconic players, important cards, hall of fame rookies, they are not coming down in value right now. 
And actually what's happening is they're going up in value, even with COVID-19. I think a lot of it is people are sitting at home. They are not spending money on other things. I mean, if you had, let's say, just for example, I'm going to pick a big number, but let's say you had a hundred thousand dollars to go below right now. And you wanted to go buy yourself a new Corvette, whatever it is, a new Mercedes, uh, Ferrari, let's say you had a quarter million bucks. You want to go buy a Ferrari. What are you going to do with that Ferrari right now? You can't go show it off. You can't drive around and no one's going to care to see it. You're, you know, what are you going to do? So people with that have disposable income, I think that what they're doing is they're, they're buying cards, especially if they're, I'm talking about collectors, of course, they're buying cards because cards are something that are so small, so small and compact that we can show them to our friends and, you know, show them off really enjoy them and take pride in our collection by sharing them online, sharing them on Instagram, on Facebook, here on YouTube, wherever you want. You know, I think that people are actually buying more cards now than they were pre COVID-19. Number one, they're bored. Number two, they're not spending their money elsewhere. And number three, they're thirsty for sports. They're thirsty for their hobbies, right? We're not watching any new hockey, any new baseball, any new basketball, Football's going to be questionable. There's there's nothing going on. If, if, when you watch the news, all it is is COVID-19. There's really nothing else going on in the world right now. So I think in times like this, and I can't say I should say at a time like this, we turn to our hobby and we turn to what gets us excited and gets our juices pumping through us. And I know for me, it's cards. And for all of you guys, I, I got to think it's cards too. So it so far, Kevin, so far it's been a seller's market. Now, there may be some cards that I'm not watching that have come down in value, and I'm sure there are, but I just, I'm not right now. You know, the, 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 the how should I put it? The blue chips, you know, in hockey, the Crosby and the McDavid rookies, in baseball, the Jeter rookie, in basketball, the Jordan rookie, in football, the Tom Brady rookies. Like these cards are not coming down in value. And let's just touch on basketball for a second, okay? I don't know how many of you are aware, but I think you should be aware if you're not that on Sunday, April 19th, ESPN and Netflix are debuting a 10 part mini series documentary called The Last Dance featuring the 97 Bulls and their run to the championship against the Utah Jazz. And I can tell you because I'm, I'm running in circles with a lot of the basketball collectors right now. And these guys are jacked for this. They're jacked for it. You watch some of the other um, YouTubers, and this is what everybody's talking about. I'll also mention another guy on on YouTube that I've been watching his videos. He's he's a interesting guy to watch. Um, he goes. His name is uh, Jeff Wilson, and his show is called Sports Card Investor. I recommend you check out his YouTube videos. He's he's following this day to day almost. He does a video almost every two days, and he's talking about what Jordan cards are doing. What I mean, if, and if you're not watching Jordans, but you're you're watching Scottie Pippins, you may not be aware, but Scottie Pippins rookie cards have gone up eight times their value, eight times in the last two weeks. Now, is that a is that a, you know just one of these, and it's going to come back down? Well, it's going to go. It'll it'll certainly come down somewhat. I think it has to. Eight times is unprecedented from for the most part, but Never mind Scotty Pippen. Michael Jordan cards have always been among the, the top investments in the hobby. The top. And, and the reason why I use the term investment is because, you know, I'm a collector, but it's hard to say you're not investing when you're putting significant capital into your cardboard. So I kind of, for myself, I use both terms. I'm a collector. I can't deny that I also am an investor because if you go spend thousands of dollars on a card, 
that's an investment whether you like it or not. So you just kind of got to get your head around that is my opinion on that. But anyway, Jordan cards are going crazy, absolutely crazy. I got into the Jordan game just over a year ago, and I've since picked up about two dozen cards. And I'm glad I did, because if I came in now, I wouldn't be able to afford the cards that I bought just over a year ago. So lucky for me that that turned out that way. And um, I'm thankful for that. But I love these cards too, you know. I bought a card uh, from a friend of mine, a friend who I've never met, but we've talked on Instagram just, well, we did the deal this week and, um, you know, the card should arrive tomorrow. Um, and, uh, you know, it, when you're putting money into a card, you have, you have to consider what could happen in the future. Are you, are you getting a good deal now? What, what's the, what does the future hold for that card? And, you know, but that's on big cards. When you're buying small, I, I put a lot of money into cards that I don't, I know I'm never going to get my money out of them and I don't care. I love the cards. It's about enjoying them, passing my time. You know, if I didn't have my collection right now, I don't know what I would be doing with my time. If I did not have this hobby right now during COVID-19, I do not know what I would be doing with my time. So anyway, I've been rambling there. Kevin, thanks for the uh, the question. I do think, just to recap, I think it is a seller's market right now, but I don't know if it's going to, when it's going to turn around. So, and again, back to the, the sports card investor guy, check out his, his YouTube uh, shows as well. They're pretty interesting. Um, and, you know, see what you think. Let me just see if I can find some other questions here, guys. Basketball is sick this year. Yeah, basketball is sick this year. I mean, the Zion mania has been like nothing we've seen since what? Uh, LeBron James in 2003, you know? And then there's Giannis and there's Luca. I mean, these guys are killing it, killing it in terms of the hobby. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I bought a Luca PSA 10 Panini Prism rookie card at the National last year. I got it for 60 bucks, $60 US. They are now selling, I believe, for like over five, $600 right now. Don't quote me on that, maybe 450, but they're selling for like almost 10X what I bought it. So that, that's, pretty, uh, that's pretty cool. Am I dipping into basketball this year? I'm not cracking any basketball. I did some prism blasters from Walmart, uh, but I'm not, I'm not dipping hard in, into basketball this year. I, I'm not somebody who cracks a ton of wax um, I prefer to kind of sharpshoot. I'm going to pick a card I want. I'm going to get it and I'm going to let someone else bust it from that pack and I'll send some money their way to, to help them get, get their money out of their break. And, um, you know, that's kind of been my, my MO for, for quite some time. I used to break a lot and I realized that it wasn't exactly, um, the, the best way to get a return on my investment and breaking isn't cheap, but, um, but I also had bad luck. So I wouldn't say that I was, I was drawn in very, very much either. Um, <laughs> here's a funny question from my, my buddy Aaron. So you're telling me I'm not going to make my money back on my Enroth collection. So a lot of viewers here don't even know who that player is. He's a, he, he was a goalie in the NHL. And Aaron, I'm sorry to inform you that no, you're not likely to make your money back on it. But you know what? At the same time, I'm kind of happy for you because I know you don't care. You're collecting for the love of the hobby and for the love of cards and the love of a player who you identified with and you connected with. So good on you good on you here's a great question do you upgrade and then offer your under copies for sale I've, i went through a phase i went through a phase of doing that quite a bit especially with my vintage collection so you know um, another story about what happened to me so i was uh, at a show um, in, in edmonton alberta home of the edmonton oilers going back probably 12 or 13 years ago 
and there was a vendor there who had a complete set of the first set ever of hockey cards, the 1910-11 C56 Imperial Tobacco set, a 36 card set, and the cards are the cards are really small. You know, they're not they're not as big as cards today. I'm sure many of you know what I'm talking about, so I don't need to get into that. And I bought I bought that. Well, sorry, he had the set there. I didn't have the cash on me, and I live in Calgary, so we're three hours apart by car. And we ended up making a deal. And then the next weekend, we each drove kind of, you know, he drove down an hour and a half. I drove up an hour and a half. We met and we did the deal. And I have since upgraded several of those cars. Now, first, I bought the set raw. I had it graded in 2008 along with the rest of my, my rookie card and important card collection. Since then, I've upgraded several. But I typically don't sell a lot of cards that I've upgraded. I have a, an emotional connection to my cards that I had as a kid. So my Wayne Gretzky rookie that I have today are one, I have three Gretzky rookies in my personal collection. And I have an, uh, an OPG PSA 7.5 that I had graded in 2008 that was my card from when I was a kid. And I don't think I'll ever sell that. On the same note, I had a PS, my, my Lemieux rookie from when I was a kid, my Mario Lemieux 85 OPG. I had graded in, nine, in 2008 and it was a PSA 8 and I, I eventually acquired a PSA 9 and I did sell that PSA 8 to a collector at the at the car at the expo in Toronto and um, after I had some seller's remarks I was like that was a card that I had emotional attachment to I probably paid 25 cents for that card in 1985 at the local card shop in Winnipeg called AbD Cards in the back of Book Fair on Portage Avenue. So if anyone's been to Winnipeg or was in that era, you'll be nodding and smiling right now because you'll know about that. So anyway, I don't do a lot of um, upgrading and selling my undercopies. I prefer to buy the best card I can at the time I make the purchase and not have to upgrade later. I just want to buy it once and be done with it. But it does happen once in a while. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. Wanted to put on something that I thought would get the odd smile here. Yeah, Jason, my man, Jason. Well, yes, I actually, but the, the thing about the Howard Chuck rookie card that I sold you, Jason, that was a PSA 9. The thing about that was that that wasn't my, was that my personal copy before? I got to think about it. I've had a few copies uh, flow through my collection, but um, I definitely have a, a PSA 10 in my collection now, which I, which I do love. I, I do love my Howard Chuck cards. Uh, you know, I grew up in Winnipeg and he was the hero back there in the 80s. He was the first draft pick overall in 1982. He came in, he won the Rookie of the Year trophy, the Calder trophy um, by a landslide. He was the youngest player at the time to ever hit 100 points. He, you know, we were always, uh, as a Winnipeg Jets fan, we were always stymied by the Oilers, the Calgary Flames, the Vancouver Canucks. We could never get past the second or third round of the playoffs. And so we were always the underdog and um, never won anything. But I do, I still have a connection to Howard Chuck. I used to go to games as a kid with my dad, um, even back in the WHA days in the set in the late seventies, when I was really young, I got to go to games and see Bobby Hall play and with Anders Hedrick and Alf Nielsen, won't get into that, but you know, I, I, I've been, the, I, I want to tell you one more story, guys. The first memory I have of hockey cards, and this is an interesting question that I want to ask all my guests as time goes by. My first memory of hockey cards is from about 19, 79. I was at my cousin's house. I had an older cousin, two years older than me. And I remember seeing 1978 OPG hockey cards strewn about on this floor. And I would I pick them up and I saw pictures of players, turn them over and reading stats. You know, you're a kid, you're just learning math. You're just learning to read. And I remember just soaking up these cards and reading the backs and memorizing the statistics. 
And I've, I've been hooked ever since then. I don't think I started buying my own packs till about 80, 81, 82. But um, I've been hooked since, 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 since that long ago, guys. Andy, my buddy Andy. Guys, I'm going to give Andy a shout out. Andy's a great guy I've met. I met at the expo. Andy's a guy who sets up there. He does comics. He does cards. He does all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, he's bought lots of cards off me. Andy, you're, you're a great guy. I love selling you cards. I love helping you uh, build your, your collection. Thanks for dropping in. Happy to see you here, buddy. Awesome. And thanks for joining the group. Thank you, everybody. Actually, I want to thank everybody that joined the Facebook group. Um, really appreciate that. I want to thank everybody who subscribed to the YouTube channel. That's going to help just get more reach and for what it's worth, you know, just it's more fun for me, to be honest. It's just more fun. You see that subscriber list ticking up. It's it's satisfying. I'll, I'll admit it. It's, it's satisfying. So thank you, everybody who's done that. I really do appreciate that. Great question. Do you think it's better grading with PSA or BGS for newer hockey cards? Well, before I answer, I will say I've done several grading submissions with both companies over the years. I've um, I've been to PSA's uh, main office in California. I've seen their I've been in the inside. I've seen the uh, I've seen the grading stations. I've seen the receiving area. I've seen the lockdown area. Um, I, I mean, I, I saw it from a distance, but I did. I was seeing it. I was on a sort of on a tour, uh, an upper deck tour back then. That would have been in the year. The year was 2009 that I was there. And uh, funny side story, they had a couple. We were I was part of the Diamond Club. Uh, tour that was going through and that was one of the one of the features upper deck had for for all the members and um <clears throat> there were two there were there was a contest that they had it was a grading contest so great grade the cards and then uh these were cards that were already graded but we had to guess the grade based on our opinion our skill so there were probably 40 people in this group and i won this thing and my prize was an autographed joe dimaggio baseball with a certificate of authenticity and um so that that's kind of a source of pride for me. I think it gives me some experience with, uh, or it kind of validates that I do think I, I have an eye for grading. And um, one thing I want to say about grading, especially when it comes to remotely looking at a card, when we're looking at cards, especially online, especially on Facebook, I see it all the time. People will put up a card and they'll say, what do you think it graded? Or they'll say, how did this only get a four? Well, the most important thing that we all need to understand is that it is impossible to grade a card without holding it in your hand. So when I see people say, oh, yeah, that should have been an S7. Well, you, you don't know that. You're, you're just basically, you just can't know that. You need to hold the card in hand. You need to, you know, move it around and angle it differently, shine a light on it. Have your, have your loop or your magnifying glass. Really get a look at those corners. Look for the imperfections. If you're not doing that, you're not going to be able to accurately grade a card or give an opinion on what a card could have or should have graded as. Now, onto the question. Do I think it's better grading with PSA or BGS for newer cards? Well, I'm gonna come back to the, the one main thing on that I would say is that you have to go with what you like, what fits into your collection. So I like uniformity in my collection. And I'm mostly a PSA guy in terms of my graded cards. I want the cards to all look good from the top in the box. I want the labels to look the same. I want the shape, the weight, the thickness to all be uniform. Now, I don't know that that's, that that's um, important to everybody and it likely isn't important to everybody. So, you know, both companies have their merits and both companies have their issues. I'm not gonna get into the issues. They're well-documented. They're out there if you wanna research them. Um, I think that the companies, while they are not perfect, 
they are still providing a service. And we have to think about why did these companies come out in the first place? They were first created because the internet was created and people were buying cards remotely, sight unseen. And there was no reliability on the, on the condition of the card. And back then, eBay was more of a Western kind of place where you didn't have much recourse if you didn't like what you got. <clears throat> now, I've been a member on eBay since December 1999, so over 20 years now, and I remember those early days. So the grading companies came out to give people some assurance on what they were getting from, a, from far away. And um, so that's why they're there. Now, they have their issues, but they also provide that great service still. And while there are cards that are probably inaccurately graded, not probably, there's definitely cards that are inaccurately graded out there floating around, I would still opine that overall, it's a good service. They're good services. And I prefer my cards. I like the protection that a slab offers. And I like the look of a card in a slab. It just, it, it really dresses them up nicely. And, um, you know, and it does help with their value if that's something that you're interested in. So newer cards, my general rule has always been, and it's starting to change. I will admit this, it's starting to change. But my general rule has always been that vintage cards up to 1989 should be in a PSA case. And modern cards afterwards should be in a BGS slab. And the reason for that is simply because that's what the market seems to want, led by a lot of the baseball guys and all the Beckett grading that they do. But I will you know, revert back and say, I'm starting to acquire lots of PSA cards in my modern collection. And I'm also willing to acquire certain BGS cards and SGC cards in my vintage collection. But um, as a general rule, I think if you want, if you're looking for a general rule, PSA for vintage, BGS for modern, and have some crossover um, if, if you if you need to. Your name does show up now, Andy. Thanks for clicking that big blue button. Appreciate that. Hola, Nick. Good to have you, buddy. Thanks for coming on. So, any hey man, man, hey man, hey man. Any other questions? Any other comments, guys? I can sit here and chat for a little while longer. Otherwise, um, you know, could also wrap this up. Um, I'll just come back and remind everybody that Saturday, 10 p.m., Carvin Chung, also known as the architect, worked at Upper Deck in the early 2000s uh, through the mid, well, early through the mid 2000s, uh, the inventor of Exquisite in the Cup. He'll be joining me here. We'll, we'll have dual split screens. We'll be taking comments again, and um, we'll get into, you know, what was going through his head when he created and designed and by, by design, I don't mean the, the, the actual look of the cards. I mean the um, structure of the sets themselves. I believe he was more involved in that, but I'll let him tell us that then. And then also I'll mention that uh, on May 2nd, 3rd, we're going to have an attempt at a virtual online right here in the same, in the same format card show. And I will be putting out uh, feelers there to people that want to be set up sort of as a vendor and have a, a table, if you will, or however we're going to do it. I do have ideas. I won't get into them right now. But um, if you're interested in that, reach out to me either on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram. I'll put my Instagram account up on the screen right now for you guys. Uh, so you can, if you haven't already, you can follow me on there. And uh, which I'd really appreciate if you if you would do that. That's my at J Lee Cards. Be happy if you would follow me on Instagram. It's kind of where I when I receive cards in the mail. Uh, almost the first place I do is put them on on Instagram. It's it's quick and easy and um, and it's fun and uh, there's so many great guys out there on, on there. 
couple of questions have rolled in, so let's get back into those. Glenn asks, I have a 10 grade McDavid Future Watch Auto Pouch and it's PSA, so is it not worth as much as BGS? Well, Glenn, I mean, all you really need to do is look at eBay, do a sold searches, uh, sold listings search, and see for yourself what these cards are selling for. Um, not that I don't want to tell you, it's just that off the top of my head, I'm not 100% certain which is outselling which. Now, I can tell you that a PSA 10 is usually compared to a BGS 9.5. I think that a PSA 10 is worth more than a BGS 9.5. Um, your question seems to be written, so it's not worth as much as BGS. Well, I'd actually uh, say no, it is. It's worth more. Uh, a PSA 10 McDavid Future Watch Auto Patch should be worth more than a BGS 9 or 9.5. 9, 9 for sure, 9.5 also. What percent would you buy back, buy them back of PSA equivalently? What percent would you buy them back off PSA? Andy, I don't understand the question. What am I missing here? What percent would you buy them back of PSA equivalently graded cards? Are you, <laughs> are you talking about the ones that you bought from me? You want me to buy them back from you? <laughs> we'll talk offline. We'll talk offline about what I pay for cards. No, I'm kidding. Um, I don't understand the question, Andy. Uh, I'm sorry, buddy, but if you can reword that for me, I'd be happy to, to get into that with you. So guys, again, we have Carbon coming on Saturday. We've got the card show coming later. I'm gonna try and do episodes as often as I can. I mean, as long as, uh, oh, okay. Sorry, Andy, I'll get right to that. As often as I can and as often as, um, as people uh, wanna see it, I'm happy to sit here and chat away but I'm really excited to get guests on here with me. And if you watching want to be a guest and you've got something about the hobby you want to talk about, let me know and, uh, and happy to have you on here. It's very easy to do. I send you a link and you'll appear right beside me. It's awesome. This, this stream yard is, is really great software. I'm super happy to have found it. Andy mentions SGC. Um, SGC, you know, SGC is a lesser known grading company that stands for it actually stands for Sports Card Guarantee. And I'm not sure if it's SCG or SGC, but um, it's probably the Sports Card Guarantee Company or something like that. These guys have been around longer than Becky Grading Services. They, up until not too long ago, were considered to be, you know, one, two with PSA, as respected as PSA was as far as their their, their st grading standards. And they're, they recently, uh, totally re, re, reworked their holders. Their holders used to be, I thought they were somewhat unattractive, a green label. They've gone to a, a really nice uh, holder now. It's much better. I think it's pretty cool. And they, you know, SGC is underrated. If you are looking to, to buy cards that are under the radar, I would, I would advise you to buy SGC cards and you know, see what happens because SGC, while they are a smaller company, they've been around a very long time and they have a very strong reputation with a lot of, a lot of old school collectors. And will that, will that, um, will that stream down to, to today's marketplace? Maybe, but they're still around and they're at all the nationals set up, taking submissions, um, some good guys there. Uh, here we have a question coming in. I'm going to pop this on the screen. Chris Carlin asks, is Vinatra it pops for you? Do, you? do you use Terra Peak and why don't you think collectors have abandoned Beckett for that? Thanks for uh, passing on the question, Amit. Really appreciate that. <clears throat> Chris, um, I do not use Terra Peak. I have been 
lucky enough to still use watch count to get past eBay results. Um, it's working for me. It doesn't work for other people I've heard. I know there's another uh, site called, I think it's called 130 point that you can get old prices on. There's, there's others too. I just can't think of right now. Um, but no, I don't use Terapeak. I use Terapeak. About 10 years ago, I had an account with Terapeak and I used it for a little while. And so you ask, why do you use, why do I use it? And why don't you think collectors have abandoned Beckett for that? Well, good question. Now, I will say, I, I do think collectors have abandoned Beckett as a source of price guide because Beckett, the magazine, just cannot keep up. It's too fast for a printed publication like that that is printed and then takes time to make its way into the marketplace. Um, the Beckett online price guide, I think, is maybe a little bit more accurate. But in my opinion, and I know this is controversial, and I'm, I, I, you know, I'm sure I could get into a debate with this with a bunch of people and probably um, have some supporters as well. But I truly believe the best market indication is eBay completed listings because there's so many cards sold on eBay all the time. I recognize, completely recognize that eBay is not the only place cards are sold. Cards are sold privately, cards are sold at shows, at card shops all the time, all the time. But I would argue there's probably more cards sold on eBay than anywhere else. ComC is another place that is a, is a great service for collectors that has lots of cards on there. Um, and you know you can, you can see what cards sell for uh, on any of these formats. Um, so I don't know that, I also think Chris, to your question, that Terapeak is a paid service uh, and it's not cheap if I recall. I know vintage vintage uh, price, what was it called? Vintage price collector. I forget the name of that site. I, I, I dropped my membership there when PSA came out with, with their um, market data tool and PWCC also has a market data tool where you can look up past prices. So there seems to be a lot of free information out there now. And um, so I, I think that people in the hobby right now that are really active and are transactioning on a regular basis, I think they are looking for recent timely information and not something that is um, produced by, that is printed in a magazine that has, you know, the, the, the price guide editor and uh, they are now in charge of keeping up with every single card ever made for that sport, which I just think is completely impossible for any person to do. Thanks, Andy, vintage card prices. I'll put that up there because I, I bastardized their name earlier. So there, thank you, Andy. Vintage card prices. Yeah, I, I was a subscriber to their site for quite some time. But anyway, back to the, uh, you know, I think people want timely, recent uh, information on the value of their cards. People that are active in this hobby are buying and selling all the time. And they're trading all the time. And if you want to get an idea and make sure that you can move forward comfortably with your transaction and not look back and think, did I get ripped off or did I rip him off? Did I do anything wrong? You know, you, your best bet is to look at the completed listings on eBay as a starting point. I will say, you know, I say as a starting point, talk to people. When I'm set up at a card show and my buddy Amit, who I've shown on the screen a few times, we sit up next to each other at the expo. And, you know, the best part of sitting up with your friends is that you can ask them their opinions. You know, I get asked my opinion all the time at card shows. What do I think this is worth? What should I buy this for that? I'm happy. I'm happy to share my opinion, but um, but anyway, yeah, that's that's uh, that's what we'll say for that. What's this say? Terapeak is free for eBay store subscribers. That's awesome. I'm not an eBay store subscriber, so I don't have that. But for those of you that are, I'm sure it's a wonderful resource. Take advantage of that. 
Yeah, Jason, I completely agree. eBay, ComC, and a bit of common sense are the best ways to price your cards. Absolutely. Um, and get opinions from people. Don't be afraid to reach out. You want to know what a card is worth or you want an opinion? Ask me. Happy to happy to opine on that. And if it's not a card that I know, um, I won't I won't offer my opinion. I'll tell you I'm not sure. But I will tell you, go check eBay's sold listings and see if you can find something there. Um, someone is asking, here we go. I must be invisible to Jeremy Lee. How can I change that? So you're not invisible to me, but your name is. It comes up as Facebook user. To change that, here's what I'll do. I'll put this back on the board for you. You need to go to this quick website right here. Go to streamyard.com slash Facebook and click the big blue button. I had to do it. Everyone else has to do it. Um, and if you do that, it's just the one time you have to, and then you'll be good to go. So I encourage you to do that, and then I can see your name. And it's actually it's so much more fun when I know uh, who I'm talking to. Here's a question from Glenn. So what do you think of the new MNT graded uh, grading company? So I'm familiar with MNT. I've seen them at all the shows. They're a Canadian company. Um, very small company from what I know. I don't see many of their, car, of their slabs out there. Um, in, in my opinion, um, you know, I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to say anything bad about anybody because, you know, we're all trying to make our way in this world and we're all trying to stake our claim and do something good. And if you're in the hobby and you're trying to make a living in the hobby, I, I commend you for that. That said, that said, I do believe that a grading company is only as good as its reputation. And it's, and at this point it's history, which unfortunately MNT doesn't have much of a history yet that will come for sure. But at this point, they don't have much of a history. MNT is a Canadian company. Well, we're all aware of KSA, the other Canadian grading company that doesn't seem to have a great stake in the grading game um, on, a, on a more North America wide or even global basis. PSA and Beckett are by far the kings of, 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 the, of that part of the industry. By far, there's nothing, nothing compares. Even SGC, which I think is a great company or i shouldn't say i don't know much about the company but i think that they're they are respected they're greatly respected they're not nearly as big as psa or, or beckett either beckett grading services so mnt um i do like their holders I think their holders are nice i just um i wonder how qualified uh the graders are so, truly that's that's my only concern and i think that if they are um if they continue doing what they're doing because i do understand they're strict graders maybe they will pull in more market share and um, and give, I don't know if they'll ever, ever give PSA or BGS a, a run for their money. They just won't. They're not big enough, but they will carve out a niche and I wish them well. Flipper Tools is a good resource for seeing what best offers really sell for. Yeah, that's uh thanks Andy for offering that up. And that's similar to, um, to the one that I use, watchcount.com, which does the same thing for free. So, Happy with that, but anyone else out there who's looking for another resource, um, thanks to Andy, you now know about flippertools.com. Check it out. Let's see. Someone says, I've been invisible. Yes, I told you how to get uninvisible. Here we go. Where you where do you see the card market for the next five years? Man, you know, I love the card market. I see myself in it. I see myself in it. I'm a lifer. I, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Um, I think anyone out there who knows me knows that already. Um, so yeah, I see the I see the hobby strong. You know, one of the things that it takes to keep the hobby strong are is a good rookie class to come out year over year. 
I think we all sort of um, agree that. And as long as we have good athletes coming into the major leagues and, you know, really impressing fans and impressing card collectors, the hobby will thrive. Uh, it'll continue to thrive because if you think about it, cards are how we change our favorite players and teams into a currency. It, 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 it monetizes these players for us. It gives us something to hold in our hand and feel like we own a piece of these guys. Now, we can't all be Mark Cuban and actually own these guys. So to own the card is, the, is to me, the next best thing. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, guys like myself and a lot of the guys I know in this hobby who love this hobby and love their cards, I know we're not going anywhere. So I think the hobby is going to be strong in five years. I, my bigger question is where do I see it in 40 years from now when nobody remembers who a lot of the, you know, the, not the iconic players, but the stars of today are, what, where, what will those cards be worth down the road? I'm not sure, you know, but then you look at today and you think our guys like our guys in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties or twenties, thirties, forties, are they collecting the Lou Gehrig's and the, and the Eddie Shores and the Howie Morenzes and the, um, you know, the Bill Russell's and, you know, all those guys from the, who had their cards in the pre-war era, how are those cards doing today? Well, if they're still going strong and people are still strongly pursuing those sets, how will today's cards fare in 50 years from now? Maybe pretty well, maybe pretty well, as long as people still love the hobby. And I mean, I know as long as I'm alive, I will be. And another thing about the future of the hobby is that, that I see is that, um, you know, a lot of people say there's no kids in this hobby, and I always have to disagree. I'm at the shows, I'm at the card shops, I see kids in the hobby. Now, I'm not talking five, six, seven-year-olds, I'm talking 12 to 18-year-olds, let's say, you know, younger guys who, and, and girls, I see them both, you know, I see them both, and uh, that are really into the cards. Sure, they still have their phones, they still have their TikTok, and they still have their Instagram and all that, but they also love their cards. So I think the cards are going to come, could make a comeback, uh, as the future goes on and um, you know, but it's not a kid's hobby anymore. This hobby isn't meant for kids. Upper Deck does a great job and Panini as well. I'm sure I'm more familiar with Upper Deck's uh, strategy, but they do a great job of getting kids involved. And, um, and uh, so, you know, I think that kids are going to have a resurgence in the hobby um, as time goes by here. I see you, Roddy. There you are, buddy. What do you think is the most undervalued card on the market right now? What should we invest in? <laughs> That's the whole episode to itself, Rod. Um, and I know that you're a guy who knows what you're talking about. Um, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can throw something out there. What do I think is the most undervalued card in the market? The whole market, the whole sports card market. Oh boy. I mean, that's a, that's a good question. Um, someone that pops to mind that is kind of contradicts what I would think. Uh, you know, the Derek Jeter. Uh, 93 SP rookie card. People were expecting that to pop when the Hall of Fame announcement happened in January, and now they expect them to pop again when um, when the actual induction happens. Um, you know, I think those cards didn't pop, and I think they can still pop. He's uh, he's a legend. He's an icon. He's a New York Yankee. I think that's a good guy to buy. I was trying to buy some at the last expo. I couldn't find any. Uh, maybe I have a couple already, but. Um, as far as that, maybe as far as baseball goes, you know, 
basketball. I'm not as uh, knowledgeable on, on this, the, the current players. And it, it's like you can't win at basketball unless you get in really early because a guy like Luca, a guy like Giannis, a guy like LeBron, like we've missed the boat on those guys as far as getting in early. Now you've got to invest significant dollars to get any of their good cards. And But I think there are still probably some opportunities for good stuff there. Uh, just rolling through some of the questions here that I missed before. Um, here, Rod, let's see this, what you said. Mint also doesn't have any controversy like the others, but I do agree they will never have the following the other guys do, even with all the controversy. You know, I, I agree. Um, they don't have the controversy, but they also just don't have the the reach or the reputation yet. And um, if that, if, if they, if their business matures into that, um, I'll support them 100%, 100%. But I'm not going to support them um, unless the rest of the marketplace does too, because eventually I will sell my cards, eventually. And I want to make sure that they are packaged properly to maximize the return so I can you know, leave that to my family. So, but um, yeah, and who knows, maybe there, there will be some controversy at times for them. It, it could easily happen. But I agree with Glenn. Takes years to build a reputation to build. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that completely, Glenn. And you know, I do wish them the best. Uh, they're night. You know, I, I I don't really know the the guys personally or the one guy that that I can picture, but um, he seems like a very uh, friendly gentleman. And um, you know, I I I, I, I wish them all the best. I really do. And he says that Hasek rookies are underrated because they're from 91, 92. Yeah, and the cool thing, the cool thing about, <clears throat> you know, Hasek isn't the only player from that era. You got Hall of Famers, you got Hasek, you've got Timo Solani, you've got Peter Forsberg, you've got Nicholas Lidstrom. Um, there's so many guys, Hall of Famers from that early 90s run. And the rookie cards, they are, they're not worth anything because their populations are so high. But there are so many other cards of these guys that we can be buying and collecting uh, that are awesome cards. You, you don't, I'm starting to realize that you don't, you can you can collect slash invest in cards that are not rookie cards. There are so many cool cards out there, guys. So many cool cards, whether they're, you know, from the '90s, the 2000s, the stuff coming out now. I love a lot of what's coming out right now. Um, I really do. Back to underrated. I am gonna I'm gonna touch back on a question from earlier. Uh, and what's an underrated? Uh, and and Corey Glass here asks, what's the most underrated rookie card? Well, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I wanna, I wanna make mention of a set that has been out for three years now that I think is under the radar, and that's called Upper Deck Synergy. Synergy is a set that's a technology card. It's acetate. It's like a die cut on acetate, serially numbered, and the base cards, the true base cards are out of 18, 19, or 20. So really, really rare, really tough to get. I think those are awesome cards. I love them. <clears throat> and I have many, I, and I'm still buying them because, uh, you know, fortunately for me, they're not that expensive and they look super cool. Like they're, I get really excited by these cards. And I think, I think, I think some brands that people, what you'll notice is that what people don't like today, they will chase tomorrow because what you don't buy today becomes rare down the, and down the line. So, you know, I, I think that, um, cards, that, cards from sets that can fly under the radar are those sets that people aren't chasing now i mean there's going to be exceptions to that rule of course um and i'm not even i shouldn't even call it a rule but uh it's something that i, I do look at so something to consider what's this robert i enjoy whenever we meet at shows thank you for your show hey robert great to see you buddy thanks for coming in always good to see you at the shows man too really appreciate you stopping in man great to see you 
I saw a question that just disappeared off my screen. Where did it go from my buddy Jason? Where did that go, Jay? Here we go. Hey, Jeremy, cool show. Thanks for making the hobby a better place. Cards are harder than ever. P.S. I have one of those UD lights in the shop. Jason, I was in your shop in February and I asked to buy it from you and you said no. So stop teasing me, please. I appreciate the compliment. Um, you know, you know as well as anyone, Jay, I love this hobby. I, I love the people in it. Um, and I want to, I'm going to give you a shout out, Jay, because you're someone who I've been very impressed with lately, your social media presence, guys, check out, uh, player's choice. Uh, they're, a, they're a, a bricks and mortar shop out of Kelowna, British Columbia. They recently won upper deck gave them an award, I believe for the best social media presence in the hobby. So that's something to be proud of Jason, really uh, kudos to you and Katie and Maddie. I know you guys are, you guys are doing, um, you guys are doing live streams on your Facebook group. Um, and you're doing your auctioning cards live. And uh, I've been watching uh, here and there, Jay. Great job. I know you'll keep on getting better as time goes by. So kudos to you. Keep it up, guys. Check out uh, Player's Choice Sports Cards. Um, Jason, uh, if you want to put your uh, your group name, put it in a comment. I'll put it on the board for you so other people can see it and come join your group. Happy to do that, bro. Thanks for popping in too, Jay. Really appreciate it. Roddy, you did just pick up a couple of Jeters. So, you know, you and me, Rod, we're often on the same page on things. And I'm glad to hear that we're thinking that that just really affirms what I what I'm thinking as well. <clears throat> I think this is my buddy, uh, Sean, talking to me here. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, it would have been great. So I was hoping to have my buddy Sean join me as a, as a, a guest on the introduction uh, introductory episode today. But something came up and he wasn't able to do it. But uh, Sean, I hope everything's cool with you. Keep it up. This is Sean Mav. He's a well-known dude in the Facebook groups and uh, a guy that comes to Expo and loves his cards. You won't. He does his mail day videos with his son. They're they're epic guys. Check him out if you ever see him anywhere on online. Rod has another comment here. Where did it go, guys? Sorry, I'm just gonna try and find this as I look. PSA doesn't really have a good reputation. Same can be said about BGS, but they've just been around for so long. People trust them. Yeah, you know what? Both companies aren't perfect. Um, I don't think anyone would say that they are. They both have controversies. Um, at the end of the day, these are companies that are out there to, to generate profits for their shareholders, for their owners. Um, I'm not saying that gives them any right to do anything wrong. I think one of the biggest problems the card companies have is that grading is subjective and it is human. And I see a lot of comments online all the time that we need a computer program to start grading cards. And while I would love to see it, I think we're far away from that because now I think computer imaging or some sort of software could properly measure to detect trimming. But even then, there is still a margin of error when the when the blades come down and they chop those cards, they're not always, excuse me, always gonna be perfect, uh, perfectly lined up. The, grade, the, the, the dimensions of those cards may not always be the same, especially on the vintage side of things. But yes, um, their, their slabs are well-recognized. Uh, people have a lot of money tied up in these cards. So there's there are some self-interest at play there as well. And uh, there's there's millions of those slabs out there. I don't see those companies going anywhere, um, barring something unforeseen. And you never know. Someone says Player's Choice is the best. Yeah, those guys are awesome. So here you go, guys. Player's Choice Kelowna. That's uh, Jason owns that shop. And um, I've known Jason for probably 15 years by now. So I want to thank Jay on uh, joining us today and for um, really for the compliment as well. 
My buddy Brett, Jeremy, congrats on the new venture. Always enjoying hearing your thoughts and opinions on the cards. Informative and respectful. What's the top of your chase list these days? Hey, Brett, thank you for joining me, buddy. Always good to see you. Brett is a major, major Trevor Linden collector, one of the all-time greats from Vancouver Canucks and a local collector uh, in the city that I live in, Calgary. Um, so thanks, Brett, for stopping by. Top of my chase list these days, I'm still chasing cup uh, base patch parallels. I'm chasing a lot of um, basketball <clears throat> cards, really cool basketball cards, and just the, the inserts, the cool inserts that are coming out nowadays in sets like Opeachy Platinum, uh, Synergy, SP Game Used. I love low-numbered, serial-numbered cards that are that either have that are shiny with cool designs or that are like acetate and die cut combos. I think those those are what blow me away. That's where I see the companies really um, you know uh, innovating with what they're doing and providing something more than just your two and a half by three and a half inch cardboard canvas. I, I love when they're using different materials and uh, different shapes of the die cuts. That that's that that turns me on, if you will. Would you buy Charizards and an investment or have you? Good question, Andy, and timely. So <clears throat> I don't have any Charizards. I'm, I, I don't really know much at all about Pokemon other than the Charizard. And I have a buddy that I talk to quite a bit, a hobby buddy named uh, Ralph. He goes Stomatis Chatsis. And um, he has some Charizards, and he was showing them to me. We were doing a, a, a video call the other day, and he was showing me them. And I, you know, I think when you're a card guy, it doesn't matter if it's baseball, football, basketball, hockey. A lot of the time, for some of us, you're you're a card guy. You love cards, and for some reason, it's like, yeah, I want I want a Charizard just because I think it's cool. And the more, you know, I don't really know what it is, but I'm willing to learn. So, is it something I'm going to invest in? Well, I think to get the Charizard, you're looking at thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. So, no, I'll put that into a sports card that I'm a little bit more passionate about, but. Um, if I had the money, yeah, I would, I would add a Charizard. It's a, it's a classic, uh, card. Um, what's this? I don't know who writes this, but I had seven Queens university machine learning students work on a project to attempt to create an objective grading system for the last eight months. Way too many issues arose. It's a long ways away. Yeah, I, I can see that hundred percent that that is a long ways away. Um, you know, how are they going to be able to is a computer going to be able to pick up on fingerprints or surface imperfections or what if the surface surface imperfection isn't an imperfection it's part of the design you know sometimes there's a black dot that's supposed to be i don't mean the black dot on on a card that's like a, a printing error but i mean like you know something that's that's in the design of the card itself that may not be expected to be there how is that going to how is a computer going to pick up on what's supposed to be there and what isn't supposed to be there as far as the the sharpness of the edges, the sharpness of the corners, um, paper loss, the thickness of the card, the weight of the card, perhaps it can do that. I don't know that it can really grade a card properly. <clears throat> Thanks, Brett. Thanks for following me on Instagram. I appreciate that, brother. Karn, that might have been you whose question I put up there. Karn, Karn Rye, guys, is a guy that um, I don't really know Karn. Uh, I'm sure we've seen each other, but we haven't really had a as far as I can remember, we haven't really shaken hands or had a conversation at a card show, but Karn is somebody who runs a, a really awesome Facebook group. Karn, if you don't mind putting it in the comments, I'll post it up there. And you're someone who I do want to have on as a guest coming up here and talk about your group and get people uh, get people engaged with you. Glenn collects tennis cards. Yeah, I mean, to have an Andre Agassi uh, rookie card would be, would be super cool. There's more than just the, the, you know, it's funny. We call it the big four. If you're a hockey collector, there's 
there's hockey, football, basketball, baseball. But you know, if you're in the states and you're mostly a basketball, football, or baseball guy, you don't even consider hockey in one as the big four. It's more in the golf and tennis category, which always kind of upsets me because to me, hockey, the cards are amazing. There, there's no better patches in sports than hockey cards. There's so many awesome cards. So let's see what Rod has to say. Yeah, agree, Rod. Agree, Rod. You know, if they won't grade certain cards because they were produced from a separate production run than originally, and the biggest, the biggest uh, set that I think of with this is the '89 Opeachy Hockey. I know there's tons in baseball, tons in baseball, but I'm familiar with that. And uh, if that's the case, then you know there needs to be a margin of error, and that is where there's opportunities for for um, people that you know for people to take advantage. So. Guys, this is Karn's uh, Facebook group. and This is his Instagram handle at the Big Three Hockey. His Facebook group is called Big Three Hockey. I'm, I'm a recent uh, join, joiner to that. And um, Karn runs a lot of awesome stuff on his in his group. So be sure to check that out, Karn. Um, and uh, hey, Karn, we'll uh, do a post in your group about uh, about this and in my group about yours. And let's, uh, let's get everybody's names out there. All right, no more comments coming in right now. Oh, there's another comment, just when I thought we might be done. But hey, I'll keep going if you want. Um, Andy says, many great buys outside the four sports, Cassius Clay, Pelé, Agassi, and so much. Yeah, I agree. You know, I've looked at Pelé cards. I've looked at um, at Muhammad Ali cards. At uh, Even Mike Tyson has some really cool cards from, from back in the day. Um, So guys, any uh, anything else that I can mention? I, there's a, a quite a long comment that came up. It's too long. It'll take up the whole screen. So I'm not going to put it on the screen. But um, a shout out to uh, my buddy Marcel, who runs a summit show, um, who helped. Uh, <clears throat> oh, that's Mitchell. Hey, Mitch. Thanks for joining, buddy. Um, yeah, well, that's great to hear Marcel reach out to you. Glad to hear your cancer's uh, kind of getting better. I saw you post recently that you gained your weight back. Happy to hear. Congratulations. Keep it up. Stay healthy, stay safe. That goes for everybody right now with uh, with the COVID-19 thing. We should all be doing our part. I know we are, but that's not what I want to get into a ton here. But thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Mitch, and, and for shouting out Marcel. His show had to be delayed. Hopefully, it'll come up again soon. Do you think values on Ricky Cards or Ricky Ovechkin will approach or pass Crosby? McDavid. Okay. Hi, Jeff. Actually... <clears throat> Ovechkin cards have surpassed Crosby cards in terms of what they're selling for on eBay. And I'm talking about the PSA 10 Young Guns um, specifically, because I've noticed that PSA 10 Young Guns are outselling Crosby's PSA 10 Young Guns. And, you know, back until when Crosby got hurt and missed about a season, I forget what year it was, but some time ago now, his cards were always ahead of Ovechkin's. And then he got hurt and Ovechkin's kind of caught up. And then Crosby over Crosby came back and overtook Ovechkin, and now Ovechkin is overtaking Crosby again. So it's um it's 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 interesting, you know. It's a lot of what have you done for me lately? Who's hot now? And of course, Ovechkin's chase to catching Gretzky's goal records, which is now in more jeopardy than ever because of the um, delay or the cancellation of the season, um, that could reverse again and probably will in the long run. I would say that right now Crosby is a better value than Ovechkin long run maybe not short run but long run for sure in my opinion um <clears throat> but uh yeah ovechkins have overtaken in some now i'm not talking about uh, even cup rookies i think too but the this the sp authentic uh, i'm not sure i haven't noticed what's been happening about that 
Yeah, an Andrew S key card. I'm sure that would do very well right now. She certainly lit it up last year. Aaron asks, what's my favorite part about running Hobby Insider? Hobby Insider is the message board website that I've uh, been running since 2012. And um, it's got its niche kind of spot in the hobby, lot, lots of about a thousand active members. And my favorite part of running it, it's just the community, Aaron. It's uh, it's a lot of the great members like yourself who who keep up on there and keep engaged and uh, and really enjoy talking hobby. It's my that's that's what I enjoy. My favorite part is enjoying is is reading the 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 posts that talk about people's enjoyment of the hobby. There's a lot of negativity in the hobby. We're all aware of it. And there's a lot of negativity in any form in any on any format that you're in. I like to stay positive. I like to think positive. And um, but we get negativity on Hobby Insider as well. So one of my favorite things is just not looking at it. As sometimes at times. Any other questions, guys? I'm uh, happy to keep on going. But you know, we're at, we're almost an hour and a half. I want to come back and. Um, I want to come back and have more of these discussions and I invite you all back again, think of more questions to ask. I'm happy to engage in the discussion. And again, I want to have you guys on the show with me so we can have a more of a back and forth <clears throat> and respond to each other more timely. So feel free to reach out to me. We can, um, we, we can definitely uh, have you guys have some of you guys on here, have conversations and, you know, spread more knowledge. I'm, I'm only one head, one brain. I certainly don't know anything. Uh, everything and there's so many uh, other guys out there and girls who who know a lot about their areas of expertise and I really want to uh, showcase some of that you're it's done done deal Andy done deal I'll put you on my I'll put you on the list we'll, we'll have a chat we'll get her we'll get her done thanks Rod appreciate you coming out say hi to Vic Cope all is well out there and uh, I'd love to get you on here too sometime Glenn thanks man thanks for stopping by I appreciate it Thanks, guys. Remember, everybody, um, <clears throat> on Saturday, I got Carbon. He'll be here. He'll be, I'll probably be here, and he'll probably be there. And we'll uh, we'll get into a bunch of stuff that he, he wants to share and talk about his time at Upper Deck and at Panini and what he's doing now. And then we're going to try and do the uh, a, a virtual card show coming up um, in early May at the same time as, the, uh, as when Expo was supposed to be. I have had discussions with Steve Menzi, the owner of the Expo, about this. He's on board. He's excited about the idea. He's got some announcements of his own. He'll be a guest of mine um, just before then. So do check that out. Rod, yeah, okay, you know what? Okay, we'll spare you, we'll spare you. We'll go with Andy, we'll go with Andy instead. <laughs> Hey, Billy, thanks a lot. Really appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in. Glad to have you. And I uh, hope you come back again. And uh, yeah, really good to see you. Love a show in Banff. Wouldn't that be great, Jay? I just don't know that you're going to get enough people out there, but uh, that would sure be awesome. Okay, guys, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you all for joining. This is the first episode of Sports Cards Live, a name I just thought was awesome. I'll be honest. I just thought that that name was awesome. And uh, no one had it. I, when I went to get the name on YouTube, it was available. I'm like, yes. So I snagged it up, um, got the group on, 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 on Facebook as well to match up with them. And right now we are streaming to both at the same time. So if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, I will ask you to do that, Sports Cards Live, just to get that count up. As soon as I get to 100 uh, subscribers, I can get a special um, URL instead of one of the random, randomly generated ones. So if you can help me out with that, it'd be greatly appreciated please do and um, keep
keep keep posting to the Facebook group and uh, follow me on Instagram if you don't already. If you're on there at at Jaylee underscore cards, I'll just put it on the board here for a second for you. There you go. So yeah, follow me on Instagram if you haven't already. And um, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate everybody. Looking forward to what this show will hold in the future. And uh, that's it. Signing off. Have a great night, everyone. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.